0: Well, let's go ahead and get started. We have a lot to get through today. So, um, you to try to do everything, um, we can. So let's just kind of start with the practical matter really quickly. Um, we don't talk much about giving around here. Uh, in fact, I can probably count on my hand how many times we actually have. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, and that's not because we don't care, obviously, it's because we recognize that we are in a church of uh, you know still about half college students and you know graduates. And so talking about money is important, certainly, but there's not a lot uh, you can do um, at this point with uh, the whole giving thing until you kind of graduate. Um, not that you can't train yourself in some ways to really be a you know a fruitful giver, but anyway, I'm trying to justify some. I don't need to justify why we don't talk about it. Um, but we are going to talk about it today primarily because um, we have brought Josh Robinson on staff. And so I want to make sure that we um, can, you know, uh, up our budget some so that we can kind of handle that. And then sort of just in the future, I wanted to give you some insight on uh, giving from the perspective of sort of averages, you know, as a sociologist, averages are interesting So I I created some really cool charts for you, high tech uh, charts in Word, it took me forever. And then I promptly deleted them after taking a screenshot of them. So I couldn't go back and change anything. It's a really bad call on my part. So let me share these charts with you and hopefully they will make sense. Um, But the point is simply to give you some kind of data and by the way, I didn't put resources up here because that would be ineffective. Uh, so if you want resources for how we got these numbers and stuff, just ask us. So our giving, uh, sort of if we continue on the same, and we have in a, uh, for a while now, which has been great, even though we've not been meeting and all these other things, uh, is our giving is 5314 a month, all right? Uh, in order to get where we need to be, particularly with Josh being on staff, we need about seventy-four twenty-one a month. And so that shortfall is that additional uh, about $2,000. And so, yeah, so we're basically asking you to make up for that uh, over the course of this next uh, period of time. And um, as I mentioned last time, I will probably go off payroll um, over the summer and get paid directly through the cohort program again, if you all don't know about the cohort, that is our pastoral training uh, thing that we've been doing for two years now, and uh, I lead that primarily, and you guys, through your generosity, have basically paid for me to lead that for the other churches, even though we only have two or four people out of the 20 uh, participating from our church. So that's pretty cool. Anyway, so that gives you kind of a, um, an understanding there. Also, I wanted to do a little cute pie chart here to show you the breakup of our finances. And so if you look what the average church budget is compared to the DNC budget, ours is very staff heavy in terms of how we pay. I assure you that does not mean that we get paid a lot. Uh, I, I make $2,000. Leslie makes a little bit more than that and works more than me. We've posted that before giving you kind of an understanding of how much we make. Uh, Leslie's much more kind of full-time works about 30, 35 hours. Most weeks I'm more 20, 25 hours kind of part-time because of my businesses. Um, but we are pretty, um, staff heavy in terms of our budget. And that's really intentional. If you look at what makes up the average church budget, and the reason that they can usually do half of their budget salaries is because they have a lot of money going to buildings and programs. We don't really do programs here. (laughs) Our program is to meet with people. And so we need staff to be able to do that. Uh, We don't spend a lot of our time doing the kind of program work that a lot of ministries would do. The vast majority of our time and, and even on our little hierarchy staff role sheet stuff, one-on-one mentoring is always number one. We can pay someone uh, 20 hours and all they do is meet with people. Uh, that's far more effective than anything else we can be doing as a church. So that's why our budget is a little bit heavy in, in the, the staff, uh, which is more common for you know smaller churches anyway. All right, then the next slide here is um, basically our church giving versus average church giving. And so the average church gives about twice as much as we do. And that's not to be, it's not really that surprising considering, again, we have a lot of young people um, and people who are uh, just now kind of making their way into the the working world. But just to give you a sense, uh, that's another uh, reason why that first chart about our staff budget being heavy would be very different if our church gave twice as much, which is what the average church gives. Uh, and this is just based on attendance. Okay. And so the average church giving is there. So basically, what we're asking you to do is sort of meet in the middle. We'll negotiate. Here's what our church gives now. Here's what the average church gives. Let's negotiate like a middle ground. Okay. Uh, for these next uh, couple months, at least. And then the last one here, and we've talked about this some, is just sort of average individual giving in our country um, versus the kind of giving. And we didn't look too much into this in our church because I feel a little bit weird about trying to look too much at people's finances um, and how much they're giving. I think that's good for you know Leslie to know because she has to actually do the budgeting and things, but she doesn't, we don't have any conversations about that. Um, we never were like, wow, these people should really be giving more. I don't think Leslie has any idea off the top of her head, any or even remote percentages of what people give. And so we didn't really look back through this data uh, to, to confirm this stuff and that was, Um, or or to get a deeper understanding of it. And that was intentional. So I kind of just broke this up and these are somewhat arbitrary categories. Uh, Yet I see this kind of in our church and I think in churches in general, you've got like the super givers who give like 15 to 20% of their income. That now sounds insane. And definitely super givers tend to be on the higher income side. And so, you know, we've got to be honest about people who are giving that much. A lot of times it's because they just have so much extra. Uh, and want to be really faithful uh, to sort of a certain lifestyle, although in the case of um, some people who are in a church who do give that much, uh, that's not the case, but generally that's the case. Uh, then you got tithers, people who give 10%, or as Josh Caperton likes to call them, tithers, um, and uh, he yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, Josh, I didn't mean to out you. Uh, yes, I did. Tithing, I know that's probably something that some of you don't even know. It's kind of an old testament biblical term. that We'll actually talk about this semester, but it's, you know, the idea of giving 10% of your gross income up front. Um, there are definitely people who do that and are consistent, although that has become um, less in vogue. And there's reasons for that. Obviously, You know, one of the bigger ones is because a lot of us already give to the poor uh, through taxes and things like that. So anyway, that's the kind of 10 percenters. Uh, And then on the yellow one, which I didn't label, that's the average American giving average American giving is 2.5%. And so um, this little green thing is sort of the goal. Uh, I I think some of you should push yourself to try to give three to 5% of your income um, this next uh, semester. Um, And just to kind of think through, you know, not doing the average, but not necessarily being legalistic uh, with tithing. And just to give you an idea, Leslie and I are both in those, those you know, first two categories there of tithing and, and giving. We wouldn't want to expect you to uh, do something that we aren't doing ourselves. Uh, so yeah, so any questions about that? I mean, this is just a, you know, basically want to give you a goal, an encouragement, challenge, whatever you want to call it. It's uh, up your giving this next semester to get to a point where um, we can, you know, sort of make do with that extra uh expense and I really don't want this to be a couple people who decided to give you know 20 to 25 percent that's fine and that's great but we really want this to be a church shared thing uh so yeah so there you go questions or ready to move on
1: I don't have a question I would just say that um our staff is amazing and definitely not getting paid what they would easily get somewhere out in another church and I'm not saying that because Brad is one of them I'm saying that because I know the commitment they have and the love they have for this community. And I would challenge us to, if that means stopping the Starbucks or whatever that looks like to be able to give more, then think about it.
0: Yeah. I would always uh, challenge you to stop the the Starbucks um, just because (laughs) it's so gross. Uh,
1: Yes. Agreed. (laughs) Agreed.
0: (laughs) I'm super judgmental about coffee if you haven't figured that out. Anyway. Um, yeah, you know, in terms of staff payroll and, and what we pay our staff, you can always get online to look at what average uh, uh, staff uh, make at churches and see just how, um, you know, I wouldn't say we pay our staff nothing. I mean, we try to pay them, um, you know, a living wage, um, but the goal is never to take more than we need. Uh, and sometimes uh, when things are tight, we we'll take less. But, you know, I've given you our salaries and what we make, so you can go and kind of look at that on your own, you calculate it based on hourly stuff. Any other questions or thoughts before we move on?
1: Brad, I have a question.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: so you said the yellow part is average American giving. Is that average American giving to like in the church or just in like any American regardless?
0: Yeah, it's in general and it's total. Okay. So the average American, and honestly, it's it's it. one of the things that was always so interesting in my sociology classes was talking about the middle class being the stingiest. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you break this up by upper, lower, and middle class, middle class only gives about 1.5%, whereas the lower and upper classes give, you know, closer to 3%. And so, pretty, pretty interesting um, that. But, yeah, so that's an average American giving to all things. And I would say that, too, that if, you know, you are, we're in no way saying you need to give that 5% to our church. I mean, we'd love it. For sure. But if you you know, your goal is to get around 5%, I think that should involve all kinds of kinds, uh, all kinds of giving opportunities Our church is just one of many good opportunities to, to do that with. All right. Any others? No. Okay, great. Well, we can take that chart down. Um, so some of you've uh, seen the post this week uh, that Grant put up uh, on the topic, and issue of race and um, just sort of how we talk about it in the church. And um, I just want to say first that, uh, you know, Grant is a pillar of our church. Our church wouldn't exist without him. Back when there were none of us, um, I think that, uh, you know, and I've told Grant this before, even though he apparently hasn't taken it uh, to heart still yet. But I think that's probably a good thing, maybe. Um, He very much was my kind of right-hand man in support in really starting what we're doing here. And there are a few people who are as thoughtful uh, about both spirituality and politics. And so when he um, kind of sent that to Leslie and I, we uh, kind of looked over it quickly. No, get out of here. And uh, and made, uh, you know, said this would be great to post. Um, but in retrospect, I think I apologize because I didn't look through it closely enough. And I think the things that Grant went back and kind of edited it and changed um, were awesome and were important. But I think um, probably one of the most important aspects of that post that was overlooked is the fact that really that kind of first point about being fashionable to dog on white people was really aimed at white people <laughs> uh, and really kind of nobody else. And I think why that's important is because the, the the oversight of realizing that and clarifying it is itself an image or an example in my mind of my own sort of white privilege that you can talk to an audience and expect that, you don't have to clarify who you're talking to because the vast majority of the audience is going to be white. And so by me not clarifying that, and, you know, I think uh, making sense that that first post was really about white people who are talking about white guilt in ways that are really not helpful and are separating other white people, uh, I think was a very important point and a good point. Uh, I just, yeah, I want to apologize that that wasn't really clarified uh for the audience uh particularly that first point which i think is what um you know some people kind of had issue with And, and rightly so i appreciated the conversation uh and very meant or meant what i said about it being a sign of what we're doing guys a lot of you don't understand this or maybe know it but haven't experienced it churches don't have these kinds of political conversations um not on a facebook page not in person If the church even has varying views on issues of race or um, and that's a big if or politics, then they'll just mostly keep quiet and say nothing. And I think we need to just remember that that's a pretty exciting and great thing about what God's doing here. Um, As Grant mentioned in his post, we've got to have grace for people, but we also need to speak up when things need to be said. We just need to speak up with patience and careful instruction um, because that's who we are. We're, we're about discipling people and talking about race and politics. That's a part of discipleship. Um, we're not going to do the, what Willie says, okie doking in church where we just sort of tiptoe around issues and don't get to the, the heart of them. We're going to do that. That's discipleship. It's about truly from the inside out, uh, letting God kind of change us and how we think about the world around us. Um, so. Don't think we need to pretend to agree on anything, uh, but we ought to not seek disagreement out (laughs) either and continue to have these conversations and give each other a lot of grace about having them. And we're going to continue doing the things that we did, like the lamenting the uh, political siege. And uh, hopefully there's peace coming our way in the next few months. But if not, we're going to continue advocating uh, for change and uh, and lamenting uh, our fallen society. So I just say that as just kind of a, I don't know. Just wanted to make sure that that was out there uh, and that you knew about it. And if you have any questions or comments, you're welcome to throw them our way. Uh, I'm going to move on unless someone just really has something they feel like they need to to say or, or whatever else. The goal is not to have an entire conversation about this. We did that last week. Um, but unless someone just feels like the church really needs to hear something or uh, whatever, I'm going to go ahead and, and move on. All right, well, if you come up with something or think through something, we can always circle back. All right, so uh, long-awaited sermon series. Here we go. We're going to begin it. If you aren't uh, up to date with what we're talking about, we are talking about the Old Testament and the New Testament and the continuity or um, the, the lack of, of um, uh, contradictions between the two. However you want to think about it, we're trying to talk about the Old Testament as just as important as the New Testament and helping us understand the story of who God is, who we are, uh, and kind of our purpose and our meaning in this world. Okay, And so there's a lot of other resources out there that will treat this topic more academically. Probably the most obvious one is Ian Proven's class on Old Testament. Some of you have access to it. Some of you have taken it, whether through the apprenticeship, whether through um, different classes or schools of ministry that we've done. Um, but we're really wanting to talk about it more in a narrative sense, in a story sense to go back and sort of show just how um, consistent the scripture is from old to new. Now, with that said, you guys have planned the topics each week. So all the topics are laid out and they're um, based on those things that we kind of um, talked about old Testament ethics, the spirit, those kinds of things. And so we'll, we'll put that out. I think we haven't already. So we'll put it out this week um, so that you can kind of look through and prepare. And we'll have a lot of different people talking in this sermon series. I think it'll be really refreshing. Um, but as is our tradition, every um, semester at the very beginning, we spend two weeks just talking about our mission and vision as a church. And I'm excited today that the cohort are going to talk about that and also next week. And so they're going to, to take on um, you know, more of the responsibility to kind of explain who we are as a church, mission, vision, all that good stuff. But why do we do this? We do this because it's really important. Um, For us to know our story. Okay. And it's tough for many of us to feel a part of a story anymore. Um, Although I think we deeply long for it. The reason we love TV, the reason we love movies so much is because we want to be a part of wrapped up in a story. uh, And I think we (laughs) are so addicted and obsessed with that, I think in part because. In our real lives, we don't feel like we are part of anything really much bigger or larger. Of course, religion is supposed to be that for us, but still most of us haven't internalized that enough to really see it as we're a part of a a story, an ongoing, amazing, um, challenging uh, story that's taking place and has taken place since the beginning. Um, And so with that said... uh, we want as a kind of a smaller piece of that for you to understand who we are as a church. If you're here just because you've got some friends that are here, or you kind of like some of the things that we say, or some of the positions that we hold, um, that will only get you so far. Um, If if you really don't understand the heart of who we are as a church, you're not going to have a lot of lasting power. (laughs) Um, And also, you're really going to have a tough time being involved and engaged at a heart level. You might do stuff uh, in your activities and, you know, that that things are that are convenient or things that kind of give you meaning and purpose, but we really want you to know who we are as a church. So that's what the mission and vision part of this is, both as a Denton church, both as a part of a larger church network. uh, It's important that you kind of hear the story of who we are and what we've done. And I'm terrible at doing that. I think just naturally, Leslie's much better at it. Um, and so that's why we we take these two weeks to um, to do that. All right. So uh, what does it look like to reflect on the story of who we are versus just um, sort of some attributes that you know, fall in line with what we want? You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, in his book Life Together, which the cohorts read last week, says this, this very extreme statement It basically just says God hates visionary dreaming about the church. And um, that's so interesting to use that as a quote for our, our talks on vision. <laughs> but there's a nuance here. There's a, a, a subtle difference uh, from having a vision for your church and being a visionary dreamer. And Bonhoeffer goes on to say most of us live out our, our participation in the church constantly trying to make the church in our own image. All right? Same thing we do in relationships honestly, we try to make the other person in our own image, rather than accepting the church for what it is and 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 who uh the church is and letting that really shape and form us, we try to make it in our own image. And now Bonhoeffer is writing this book in jail a couple years before he's executed um uh, by the Nazi regime and he's writing about this experience of training pastors in this underground church. And so he's just immersed in a sense of pastoral responsibility and then also just them being a little church you know, in and of itself. And um, so he's just kind of thinking through this. What does it look like for me to accept the church um, and the story of God uh, and not try to make it in my own image? Now, I want to be really careful here. When we talk about the church, and particularly Big C Church, we are not in any way talking about the American. American church has its own story and at times has been very ugly and at times has been good, but it is not the church. It is the American church. Even understanding the story of the American church and its roots and its, its failings is incredibly important for us to be located in a larger story about God and about the church that he created as Jesus being you know, sort of the head of that church. Um, And so, yeah, so it's just kind of important to know the stories. And same thing when we go back to the Old Testament. I think so much of why we like the New Testament is because there's words and there's theories and there's ideas, but it's not really near as relational as the Old Testament is. It's not dealing with a timeline of stories and of, uh, you know, uh, successive generations. And sometimes because that culture is so different, we have a tough time realizing or uh, attaching or associating ourselves with it. And yet it still is very much our story um, as people. And so, yeah, I think that's, I uh, um, just want to encourage you as we're talking through vision and mission and as we're doing this Old Testament deal, is this your story? Are you a part of this story? Or are you just sort of like an onlooker? Uh, like you're watching a TV show and you know, you're obsessed with it now. And then in three weeks when someone dies, I had a show, that someone died and I just couldn't keep watching it. And then finally I went back to it after like two weeks that I was so obsessed with needing to know the details of it. Um, but are you there for the, you know time being, or are you really part of the larger story? And so you hear these things that we'll talk about with mission and vision., Hey, do these things reflect who you are, reflect um, you know what you want in, I, I should say what what you want in a church or do they are they reflect what you think the church ought to be like um, according to Christ? Because if you're here because the church, even in good things or what you want, you're not here for the right reasons, right? And not to say that there's nothing that goes into choosing churches that's about, you know, sort of my interests, my preferences. That's fine sometimes, but if that's the the main reason why you're here, uh, you've, you've lost a sense of, of the larger story of what God is doing. And so hopefully that'll make sense to you as we talk through uh, some of these things today with mission and, and vision. So with that said, I'm going to pass it on to the cohort. And if we have time at the end, Grant and uh, Aaron are going to lead us in um, in the worship for the week. We might have to bump it this week, but hopefully
2: not. So take it away, cohorts. All right. Hey, y'all. My name is Ryan, and I'm going to um, kick off the cohort segment of our Mission and Vision Talks. So I'm going to begin with a prayer. Lord. As we discuss our church's mission and vision this morning, humble us and fill us with your spirit. Lead us in faithfully following you and in serving our community well. We thank you that your work started long before we got involved and that you will faithfully be the one to finish it. We ask for the power of your spirit to move us forward as we remember the ways that you've called us to this work. Amen. So a lot of what we'll be talking about in the cohort segment is actually feedback from the survey that we put out in December. So um, whenever we put out these things, um, it's important that we get your feedback. That way we can reflect on that and we can bring it back to you and talk about it. So that's what we'll be doing this week and next week. So just to give you a brief overview, today I'll be talking just a little bit about our mission and vision and then some about what it means to be connected and to serve other members of our church. And then Mia will be talking about engagement in our community and engagement with college students. And then next Sunday, Manny will be talking about personal faith and uh, Hannah will be talking about discipleship and mentorship. So a few words about our mission and vision. Mission, What, what mission are we on today? What is the work that we're doing? So, like Brad said, our church is part of a a bigger church network, and that church network and a lot of the ministries in it have adopted this really broad mission of making and maturing disciples to the glory of God. And that's pulled directly from the Great Commission. Well, as we were talking about this in the cohort, we wanted to take that mission and like narrow it down. Like, what is the mission of DNC? as a subsection of this this bigger network-wide mission. And the mission that we came up with was to disciple and mature people as they transition into the post-college world. And that should be very obvious and evident as you look at our church and the type of people that we work with and just the things that we do, that we, we are about the business of discipling folks and maturing them as they're transitioning into the post-college world. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about these, but I want you to have them like in your head framing the other things that we talk about because they are like the the structure or frame that everything else fits into. So vision, what is our vision set on in the future? What are we looking forward to? Like what is the goal that we are striving towards? In our our greater network, the greater vision is to be a place where lives are changed and hearts are turned to God. And then looking at DNC and trying to figure out, like, what is the subsection of that vision that we fall under here in Denton with the people that we work with? um, We came up with to be a place which ministers to people where they are at in life and equips them for ministry. So that obviously encompasses the work that we do now, and I think will continue to encompass our church as the generations of people grow, and that's something that we will always be reaching for as long as we're a church. So I have a few general encouragements and challenges just around our mission and vision and us as a church as we approach uh, 2021, which we are now in. So... The way that we do church obviously has changed, but the why and what we're doing has not changed. In spite of doing church virtually, the spirit of the Lord is still at work in us. We are still called to make disciples, and we are still called to mature ourselves and to mature those around us. Not to make light of all the things going on last year and that continue to go on, but Many of these circumstances give us many opportunities for maturing ourselves in the way that we view God and how we let God work through us. We are here now able to be Christians and able to do church because in the past, God has been faithful to the church through difficult times, whether that's wars, revolutions, other pandemics, thousands of years of human history. Like Brad was saying, we we now have a chance to enter into this greater story of the church enduring difficult times and take our place in that. So doing church virtually, it doesn't change that. It's just our chance to enter into this story of the church going through the history of humanity. So let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of good love. Let us not give up on meeting together even though it may feel awkward and we are tired of yet another Zoom meeting. But let us encourage one another through our participation in times of worship, through our engagement and maturing in small groups, and through cherishing the friendships that we have in this community. And now I have a few encouragements and challenges that are drawn more directly from the survey data. So thinking about how we as a church are already doing well, staying connected with each other. One of the questions that we asked was how often are people spending time with other members of DNC outside of organized events? And the answer was overwhelmingly um, often or sometimes, which is great. So often or sometimes we are spending time with people from our church outside of organized activities. And I would just encourage y'all to keep that up. It's so important in this time, particularly when it's hard to connect with other people, that we continue to invest time in others outside of church and continue to, to check in on other people. On the flip side of that, how could we improve in staying connected? So we asked some pretty pointed questions about how often do people attend organized events like church or small group or LTG or mixers? And participation in in church and small group overall is like pretty high, which is great. But when it comes to things like LTG or mixers or other organized events, participation seems to drop off quite a bit. And I would just say to y'all that we can organize all we want to try to bring you together in these other events. But if you guys aren't participating, it's not going to help and it's not going to do anything so. If you want to to feel more connected with other people in our church and in the community, I would encourage you to take advantage of all the opportunities that we create. And if you feel like as leaders, our time is better spent elsewhere, not organizing those things, then please give us that feedback so that we can um, pivot and try something different. And then lastly, I wanna talk about this question how do you feel you're able to serve the community at DNC? This is one straight from the survey. So many of you listed different ways that you serve in our community, and that's awesome. Um, it's great that you see that, that you understand that, and that you engage in that service. We would ask that you continue to do that. It's so crucial that individuals are owning the mission and vision and are owning the idea of serving our community but some people said they just weren't really sure how to serve, or they just didn't know. So I wanted to give a reminder of what it looks like in our church to perform service to the community. So one, um, you don't need a formal role to serve in our church. That's not required. There are definitely formal roles that exist, but there are plenty of ways that you can serve outside of that. Things like engaging and participating on Sunday mornings, engaging and participating in your small group and probably most importantly like brad said reaching out one-on-one and spending one-on-one time with people in our church these are the most valuable ways by far that anyone can serve in our church and if you're the kind of person who feels like all right i hear that but like i need someone to tell me to do that i need someone to ask me to do that then hear me representing the leadership of our church, asking you and telling you, hey, engage in these things. If you're not engaging in them already, it's super important that we are all engaged in that. And if you are already doing those things, then I would encourage you to continue to do that. Continue to endure in that because our church needs people that are engaged in these uh, very basic ways of serving and maintaining community life. All right, I'm gonna turn it over to Mia now and she's gonna talk about um, some engage other engagement stuff.
1: All right, hi everyone. Um, so I'm gonna be talking more about engagement in community, especially with college students. So a major theme in our mission and vision, like Ryan said, is our focus on community. And so both our church, DNC, and our network of churches places a high value on this aspect of community because we see it as a vital part of making and maturing disciples. We just realize that it's really important for that work. And so we're going to take a look at where our church is with community and how we're doing at accomplishing the goal of having strong community based on the survey results. And we're going to talk about some questions um, that the results kind of lead to questions about what we're doing and what we could be doing better. So talking about the survey responses around a rough estimate would be about a fourth to a third of the church responded to the survey. And so that's fairly low. (laughs) And so that's not necessarily representative of our church if it's such a small amount. So whenever you see us post survey links or questions, or whatever it might be, it may not seem necessary to you to respond, but I just wanted to take this moment to say that whenever we put those things together, they're very intentional. And we, we are thinking of purposes of ways that we can use that to help the church and to um, just provide challenges and encouragements like we're doing right now. And so those things are important. And even at looking, even in looking at who responded To the survey, there weren't that many college students that responded, especially not younger college students. So that's like maybe under 20 or so. And so that kind of led us to the question what are the implications of that? Um, Does that mean that maybe they don't consider themselves a part of the community? Does that mean that younger or newer members don't think their input is wanted or needed? Because those things are definitely not true. We definitely do want to hear of everybody, everyone that's on here right now or is seeing the survey link, we would like to hear from you. So don't think that you're not included in that or not valued in that way. So many of the responses talked about wanting to connect more with college students and adults. And so a lot of college students said, I would like to connect more with adults. And a lot of adults said, I'd like to connect more with college students. And so we both, both groups are having that desire which is really good. That's important. And that shows that we do desire to have strong community and want to strengthen that. And so that leads to the question of how do we move to action on that desire? It lines up with our church goals. And so what's stopping us from doing that? How, and obviously we're currently limited in being able to walk across a room and meet somebody, but there's still ways that we can connect through social media, through Zoom, phone numbers, you know, we can still reach out and overcome those barriers. And so just wanted to encourage us to do that. And I think that the fact that we know, at least the people that filled out the survey, both groups are wanting that. And so you don't have to be anxious like, oh, they don't want to talk to me or whatever. Like clearly this is something that our members are wanting to do. And so I think that that should hopefully relieve some of that nervousness about reaching out and doing that and so as we're talking um this morning you might notice that we frequently mention college student members and the non-college student members and we just kind of there is an emphasis on that portion the college portion of our church and that's also very intentional you might be wondering like why are they always talking about college students (laughs) well um our website literally says we have a particular passion for ministering to college students and helping them transition out of college into the working world. And so this is verbatim a mission of our church or a a value of our church that we seek to do. And the reason for that is that our church has recognized the importance of supporting students as they're in college and as they transition out of college and into that adult or post-college ministry. um, Because once you are in college ministry and you get used to how that works and what that looks like, graduating and trying to do the same thing after college does not work. It just is just very different after college. And so... Many of our older church members (laughs) have experienced that transition and have gained wisdom in what it looks like to do that well. And so we want to utilize that wisdom that these post-college or non-college student members of our church have in what it looks like to do workplace ministry, um, what it looks like to still be reaching out to people and discipling people and growing in your faith those things are still just as important after college, they just look a lot different. And so that's, that's kind of the explanation behind why we talk so much about college students and why that's so much of our vision. And so that leads us to the question of, okay, so we know that we want to focus on college students and helping that. So what does it look like to focus on that practically? And so we can also think and how are we doing that are we doing that well are there ways that we need to grow in doing that and so i would say that the survey data suggests that we could be more successful at bridging that gap between students and non-student members if there aren't relationships between college students and non-student members of dnc then we're not going to be able to really do any work there Um, that's kind of the key to community is those are those relationships and so if we're struggling to make those connections then that's pretty key and pretty critical in um in meeting this goal and so that's definitely an area i think that is probably the overarching area area of where we need to be focusing more and putting more effort into and really um seeking to do that more and so looking more into the practical of that, some of the current strategies that we're using to accomplish that goal is we have our focus Chula team. And so, and if you haven't heard Chula team, that's just our church leaders. So these are the formal church leader groups, but not everything has to be formal for you to be a leader in our church. Um, So the focus church leadership team, we, focus mostly on seniors like we will reach out to seniors specifically and ask them questions about okay you're graduating where do you think you'll live where do you think you'll go to church how do you want to do this and we just kind of go alongside them in that transition and serve as a point person for that but in order for that to be successful we need seniors to sign up for focus chula stuff and we need seniors to get back to the adults whenever they reach out to them and and um, whatever that might look like that requires participation obviously and then there's the inReach CHULA team which is the one that was responsible for that mentorship program that they're trying to start up and so again we need participation from college students and younger church members and we need participation from older church members and adult church members in order for that to happen <laughs> um we also have our mixers and socials like Ryan mentioned um, So those are important to attend and reach this goal. And we also talked in the survey about maybe starting church a little early and doing like a social time. And so that's something we'll have more conversations about and see if we actually um, can implement that. But that is a possibility. And lastly, like Ryan mentioned, you don't need a formal role to serve in this church. It's really a if you see a need, jump in, take that initiative and this particular area of bridging that gap between college students and adults is a very concrete way for you to see that need and be empowered to take initiative on that. So we want to encourage you to do that. And that sums up my portion. Thank you.
0: Now, let me just say one thing before uh, Grant and, uh, and Aaron lead us in our worship thought. Um, and that's just that, you know, this, this college separation thing really is by design in some ways. Uh, Focus, for many of you who've gone through it, is kind of its own little deal, and it's important that you maximize um, your time there and that the church doesn't try to pull you away into various other activities uh, so that you uh, are kind of torn between um, two groups, but at the same time, particularly for you seniors, we want you to participate in anything that you can participate in. And uh, I know this mentoring thing was a little frustrating because we got a lot of people from the church side who wanted to do it, but not necessarily from the college side. Maybe that was just lack of communication. Maybe we just need to put it out a little bit more, um, work a little bit more closely with the, your focus staff, that kind of thing. Um, but there, there's always a desire there and, and will be. In. And this is one of those issues that we're just going to have to kind of constantly work through. It's not going to get any easier. It's actually going to get more difficult. Uh, because as more people graduate, it's easier after being out of uh, college ministry for a couple of years to just sort of forget all about your experience <laughs> yeah. and forget that there are college students around and what that looks like and what's going on. And so both to our leaders and our new people, this is one of our um, you know, major priorities uh, is to really be able to have truly an intergenerational church. It's pretty uncommon for this, this to work well. Um, and so we're, you know, going to be fine going up against those barriers that we have in order to to sort of follow what, what God's kind of placed before us. So um, yeah, thank you guys so much, Ryan and Mia, for uh, doing that and kind of laying that out. It was really clear and well-articulated and I think helpful for us to just consider. I know these conversations aren't always the most fun. Um, they're like sort of, you know, uh, staff meetings for church, although our staff meetings are pretty fun maybe like board meetings okay anyway uh they're not always very fun but just hopefully you'll make it a priority to think through the things that have been said and what if any is your role in helping us as a church uh you know make this this happen so yeah sweet awesome cool i'm glad we have enough time uh to spend time uh in worship so i'm gonna go over to, to great oh yeah
1: um just real quick um, my name's Shayla. I'm on the focus staff. And if you're a college student and someone from DNC texts you, please text them back and get back to them. Um, you know, they they work, you know, 40 hours a week. They're involved in small group. They do a lot for the church and they're really putting themselves out there for you. So this is a plea for you guys to be responsive. I know. That it is not very cool to text people back these days, but please, just please be responsive and and embrace maturity in that way and know that these guys really are interested in serving you and you're only in college a short time. So just wanted to say that.
3: Cool. So for worship today, uh, before we start what we have planned, I'm going to just explain a little bit of what we've got planned for the next few months. So we've kind of planned out what we're calling a worship liturgy that will work off of for about the next five months Um, it's pretty flexible but it kind of gives us some structure to um, base just our prompts and the different things that we've been doing for worship off of so for this month um, which we've got a few weeks left so we're going to be looking at creation um, and then the next month will be fall the fall and then incarnation resurrection and then restoration so those are kind of the different aspects of the gospel that will tie our different prompts to within that month. So again, the rest of this month is creation. Um, And so that's kind of what we've got planned. And we're going to try and incorporate more of you guys into some of those um, and having you guys share and lead some of these worship times. Um, And we did today have some worship songs that we were going to do, um, but we had to push those to a couple more weeks. So today we're just going to do a psalm that we really feel like like connects to um, kind of starting us off with this creation um, aspect of the gospel. And so what we'll do each week, there'll kind of be a different theme underneath that characteristic of the gospel or aspect of the gospel. So creation, and then today we're looking at um, how God has set humanity within creation, like so humanity's placement within creation. Um, So that's kind of what we're looking at today. And we're just going to read a psalm and then we'll break up into our groups like we've been doing. Um, And that's kind of the structure we'll keep following, but you know, it may change. might just We might do something different a little bit each week, but um, we'll keep following that structure for now and utilize those same questions that we've been doing. Um, So first, you'll just want to start with prayer. Um, And I encourage you, to spend time, a couple people praying, um, don't be rushed in praying, and then move into the questions, uh, which are, um, you know, what does this prompt say about the heart of God? And then what might it be saying? What might God be saying to you or to our church through the prompt that we've done for that day, for that Sunday? Um, So to get started, we're gonna read Psalm 8 and Tate's gonna read that for us and then we'll break into our groups.
1: Okay, so Psalm 8 You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth.
3: All right, again, that's Psalm 8, if you want to pull it up when you're in your group. Um, And then the questions or what to do in your group is to start with prayer and then answer, uh, what might that verse say, or that passage of scripture say about the heart of God? And then what might he be communicating to you, uh, through that passage and what he might, he be communicating to our church as well. So I think Josh is going to break us up into
0: groups now. All right, guys, just to be clear, that's uh, that's a wrap for church today. If You want to hang around and large group conversation. Great. Uh, or if you have any thoughts or anything like that, that, uh, that you need to share or talk about, you know, we're always available. Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you guys. Good to see you. We'll see you again next week. And, um, Manny and Hannah will share for their, uh, mission vision stuff and we'll continue on with our series. And Leslie will talk a little bit, uh, as well. Bye guys.